Welcome to episode 77 of Monday State of Mind. My name is Michael Mazel, and I'm the Director of Alumni and Recovery Support Services for the Harmony Foundation. We are two episodes away from closing out October, and this theme is truth-telling. This is the theme that separates the gentlemen from the boys, the women from the chicks, when it comes to really understanding how important our recovery is. And so if this is your first time tuning into Monday State of Mind, welcome. My name is Michael, yours truly. And our theme that we are on for this month, October 2021, is putting sobriety first so everything else doesn't come last. I've had an amazing guest on talking about this so far this month and this one. Okay, you guys, I got to prep you on this guest. And of course, I'll have him introduce himself in just a couple of seconds. Well, maybe a minute. When I met this human a few months ago, I just knew I was like, this person knows recovery. He is somebody that is passionate about it. He doesn't sugarcoat shit. Excuse my language, but he doesn't. He doesn't sugarcoat shit. He's not Willy Wonka. And he's an amazing human being doing incredible things for our community here in Colorado, more specifically the greater Denver area. And when I thought of this theme for October, and there was a couple other themes I actually posed to him to be able to pick from. And when he picked this theme, I was like, okay, dude, this guy is going to nail it. He is going to shoot the audience straight on what it means and why it is so important for people that are in recovery to put sobriety first so that it doesn't come last. I mean, this human, he's just incredible. And I am just so grateful that he said yes to coming on Monday State of Mind to share his knowledge and his experience with the world. So who do I have the pleasure of having on Monday State of Mind? Will you please tell us who you are? What's up? What's up? My name is Matt, Matt Neptune. I got to thank you for the introduction. Uh, it's crazy how high you set that bar. So I'm really hoping that I live up to these expectations. And yeah, I'm just extremely grateful to be able to come on here and, and talk about what's going on, uh, not only in my world, but also what's going on in the recovery world. So thank you. You guys, if you could only see this human, it's like a freaking force, man. I can just like feel it. Okay. So Matt, let's talk get into it. Okay, dude. When I asked you to come on and you picked this theme, why did you pick this theme and why is this so important? You know, Michael, what a great question. I think for me, the reason why I continue to put recovery first is the amount of work that I had to put into recovery to get myself to this point today. Uh, and again, you know, the action that I put into the program, uh, you know, thank God was given to me by the people who have come before me. Uh, and having spent time in the rooms, uh, I've seen firsthand what happens to people uh, when they kind of let up on a program of action. And it's always the same stuff, you know, like I quit doing this, I quit doing that. And, you know, we can kind of get into that a little bit later, but they always say the same things. And, you know, whether they have six months sober, one year sober, five years sober, I've seen people with 15 and 20 years sober who kind of let up on that program of action and end up uh, right back in the rooms, picking up a newcomer chip talking about exactly how bad it was, um, how it didn't get any better and how they wish that they hadn't stopped doing what they were doing, you know? And so for me, 
I look at where I'm at today in my life and think about how amazing this journey has been so far, how amazing my relationships with, you know, loved ones are, the the freedom that I have. And not only from, you know, the way I think and the way I feel, but like the financial freedom, the freedom to go to leave the state. Like, by God, like I was a dope fiend for, you know, 12 years. And there was times where I couldn't even leave the state because I was afraid that I would like run out of drugs and I'd be stuck in some other state dope sick. All these freedoms that this program has given me as a direct result of doing what I did when I first here and continue to do that now is why I continue to do this. I don't want to give away or lose what I have today. And, and so for me, I kind of made a conscious decision that if this is what my life has to be going forward in order to maintain what I have today, then I'm going to do it. And it's not one of those things where I look at it as like a chore, right? You know, like a lot, I hear a lot of newcomers come in and, you know, how long do I got to do this for? Or, you know, yes. meetings are repetitive. They talk about the same shit all the time. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. There's 164 pages in the book. Like we're not going to get super creative. On top of that, we've been parodying the same shit since, you know, 1939. And so there's not a ton of originality that come from meetings. However, I enjoy it now. And I think the reason why I enjoy it is because like, I do understand that like, look, no matter how smart I think I am, no matter how good my memory is, like I tend to forget. Things. Um, and sometimes I need to be reminded of the most basic things in recovery. And so for me, that repetition is so important, even when I don't want to hear it, or even when I'm like able to quote the guy that I've heard for the last five and a half years, getting ready to share on a topic that I like memorize. And I know he's going to say it again. Maybe that, that share is not for me. Maybe somebody else who's sitting in that room for the first time needs to hear that. And so there's different perspectives that I've you know, been given throughout this uh, journey in order to realize the why, why I'm doing it. And I think it comes back to that freedom, right? And, and you can you know, label that uh, a bunch of different ways, different types of freedoms. Um, and, and there's a part in the book that I really love, you know, when it talks about being you know, catapulted into this fourth dimension. Um, and it's funny because I was actually talking about this with some guys that are uh, in treatment today. And I was asking them, I was like, you know, if I told you that like, the goal is to you know, get rocketed into this fourth dimension. What, what does that mean to you? What's funny is I'm kind of setting them up because I always hear some like weird off the wall shit, you know, some screwball spiritual stuff. And not that that's not bad, but like, I, again, I like to keep it very simple and on, on point with the book and the book talks about, you know, being uh, happy, being, you know, useful, having peace um, and having life get wonderful as it goes by. And as long as I continue to do what I've been doing today, or since I've gotten here, I get to keep that. I get to keep that fourth dimension. And that is something that I don't want to, at least as of today, ever give away. Because I mean, how many of us know what it's like when we're actively using, or even when we first get sober, what it's like to not have happiness, to not have peace, to feel like we're going nowhere in life. And so for me, it's like, it's a, it's a very easy trade-off. But again, like, I don't think I I had that when I first got sober because it was more of like a chore of like, oh, I got to go to a meeting. Oh, I got to work. You know, I got to call this guy every single day. I got to send him a note and I got to do this. I got to do that. But over time, as perspective changed, I started realizing like, no, this is like what is keeping my sanity. Long version answer to your short question. <laughs> oh, no, dude, that was a great answer. And thank you for that. And so I would love it. And yeah. just because of the way you show up in the recovery world and for like, you know, the work that you do. I would love for mm -hmm. you to speak about the excuses that so many people come oh. up with, right? Like when men and mm -hmm. women get sober after two months, three months, even maybe even a month, they're like, Hey, I got this. I don't need meetings. I don't need community. And then they go right back to where they were, if not worse. And so let me ask you is when you witness that, even if it's happened in your own life, what are some things that you have told yourself or you tell these humans to like, hey, man, 
stay on the straight and narrow. You have to keep your sobriety first. Yeah, absolutely. And just to be clear, anything that I'm telling newcomers that are coming in now is stuff that was passed along to me, right? Because I think that at some point in time, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'd like to believe that we all get to a point where we start thinking, okay, like when is my life going to not be recovery dominated? And I'm going to get to start to enjoy some of these other things. And, you know, like where, you know, maybe my girlfriend or boyfriend can start having more priority in my life. I've been sober for a while and I really want to get back into the work field. And I really want to start working. I'd like to be able to provide for my family and, you know, buy a nice new car or do this or do that. And that's great. You know, I think it's great to have goals and I think it's, it's great to have wants and whatnot, but in early recovery, you know, the suggestion that was given to me is keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. I can't tell you how many times I see people come into this program and, you know, maybe they've been pissing off the last 10 years and they haven't been working and they've been stealing from the parents or from their wife or from the husband or whatever. And they're in such a hurry now to rebuild and amend those relationships by, you know, going out and working 80 hours or, overloading themselves with work and school and really not allowing themselves some time for the recovery. And so the message is always the same, right? Keep it simple. Right now, all you need to do is focus on having a recovery job, able to pay your rent, able to pay your bills, whatever, but something that allows you to focus on your recovery, right? And what does that recovery look like in the first year? Well, I was told to go to a meeting every single day. Uh, My recovery, because I was unable to work, um, I had to go to three meetings a day. And so that was what I did for the first year and a half. And so I went to meeting, I got a sponsor, I got a home group, I got a service commitment and I did the steps, right? And that was my life. And that's how simple I kept it. And while I was sitting in this sober living, I watched all these other people come in and chase the money, chase the relationships, chase whatever it was. I'm an animal lover, but like, oh, I can't stay in sober living because of my dog, right? I've seen dogs take people out. And all these things that people think are more important than the recovery, when the ba- the thinking is almost backwards, right? It's if we can put our recovery first, everything else will just kind of take care of itself. Um, or at least you'll have the ability to handle that with some grace. And I think as addicts, we're, we're very impatient. We want things now. It has to be done now. You know, I get sober. Why aren't people treating me like I have two years sober now? You know, it's like, dude, you've been sober for 15 days. Calm down. And to keep it like with the book, it, 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 look, there's a long road to reconstruction ahead. And so like, it takes time in order to get to where some of these long timers with time have some of that freedom, that freedom to do whatever, whatever it is with their time. But in early recovery, it's like, hey, keep it simple, do the things that are suggested and follow through with it. Hey, to like, you know, set yourself up for the future by, you know, maybe enrolling back in school, but the less stress you can put on yourself in early recovery, the better, because I've seen everything from, like I said, dogs, you know, relationships, family, jobs, whatever, take people out. And so it's so important to just kind of create a little bubble around yourself in that, in that, that little recovery bubble, you know, and just yeah. focus on the recovery. And what you'll see is, is you start focusing on the recovery, you'll have other opportunities starting to present themselves based off of the program that you're actually working the most frustrating thing is, is when I see it with people with some time, you know, and they think because like, oh, you know, I, I've got three years sober, you know, I can, you know, start doing this and start doing this and recovery starts becoming less of a priority than maybe what it was when they first got sober. And again, like, I don't think anybody's recovery is going to look the same at one year sober and at 20 years sober. 
But the point is, is like, are you still making your recovery a priority? And I think as you start to learn your truths and who you are and, and the things that you need, you really kind of get this gift in recovery, right? It's like this ability to be aware of like when things aren't going well. Okay, well, I can bring it back to the, the simplest form. Where am I living at in this triangle? Am I living in unity? Am I living in service? Am I living in recovery? And generally, like when my life is all out of whack, even today, I can point to which one of those three points on the triangle and see that like, oh, I'm not doing this or, oh, I'm not doing this. And then refocus myself because I have that willingness to like recenter myself in order to kind of bring back that fourth dimension. And so to kind of piggyback off of what you were just saying is, yeah, like sometimes people's recovery loses priority. But I also think there's a lot of people that will say, well, this is something that I struggled with in the beginning until I found my tribe. But to the people that go back to their girlfriends or boyfriends or loved ones or husbands or community Mm. or work or like work friends. And they're like, why do you keep going to meetings? Or I don't understand why you can't hang out with me. Why do you keep doing this? And I feel for the people Cause there's people in recovery that are like, like they don't know how to stand up for themselves or they get sick and tired of explaining, Hey, this is my medicine. And so yeah. what can you say to that in regards to like, even just advice or tips or tricks for those people that are in recovery that struggle with continuing to communicate that though you think to the outside eye, I look like I have my shit together, but I am still a mess between, you know, like in between my ears. Like, how do I, like, how do you communicate that so that people can, you know, it's kind of like get them off your back, love and respect how I need to live now. Yeah. And so I, the, the most important thing that I've learned in life, right, is not to be a yes person and also not to be a no person. A lot of people come in here and they feel like they have to say yes to everything. I was kind of the opposite. I was okay with saying no. No was like one of my favorite words. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But what I had to learn was to kind of set boundaries, right? And learning to tell people, hey, this is what I have to do. And whether or not they accept it, that's really none of my business. If they have an issue with it, they have an issue with it. But the thing is, is I know my truth, okay? And I, and I think that what the whole point of this program is, you know, other than building a relationship with something bigger than yourself, is uh, self-discovery, right? And becoming aware and being able to be honest with myself. And whether or not I have that ability in early recovery or not, well, actually scratch that. I didn't, I didn't have that ability in early recovery. And that's why I had to, you know, go through the sponsorship, uh, sponsee, uh, you know, relationship and really kind of learn my truth of who I am. But once I became aware of, you know, who I was and bought into this program, I realized it was up to me to set the boundaries with the people that I love that like, Hey, this is who I am. You can either love me or not. You can accept me or not. If it's something that you don't want to do, that's fine. Um, however, if you love the person or like the person that I am today, I'm telling you, and sometimes it feels like a sales job, but I'm telling you that this is the best thing for me because mm-hmm. without this program, I'm the dude who's not only going to jack your money, I'm going to probably sell your car. I'm going to probably steal everything you have. And you're probably not going to see me until I'm in jail calling you saying, Hey, I need you to bail me out. You know? And so if you don't want that person back, this is the stuff that I have to do. And for me, if they have an issue with it, and again, like I haven't been met with that type of resistance from people because my entire circle is recovery. I don't have anybody on the outside that doesn't get what I don't do. Even my parents who are not in recovery, when I go see them, they're like, Hey, do you need to go to a meeting by chance? I'm like, no, we're good. I'm down here enjoying the family, but I do understand that there are people who have loved ones, maybe a wife, maybe a husband who are not in recovery, and they don't understand why they are now losing their loved one from alcohol to now the program of recovery, because that's what it feels like to them. 
like, oh, great. You've been screwing off for the last 10 years, getting drunk or high. And now that you're sober, you're always gone because you're in a meeting or you're working with somebody and you're trying to help them. And really the only thing I can ever do is point them to chapters in the big book, right? And like there's to the employers or to the wives, to the family afterwards to really hopefully better explain to them why we do what we do for our recovery. And lastly, like I'm not the type of person who's ever going to feel guilty about what I have to do for my recovery because I know that when I live by this program, I'm able to show up for whoever, whenever, and however, in whatever capacity they need me. And so because I know that, I'm going to continue to do that. Now, if people have to take you know issue with it or think that I'm spending too much time doing that, well, then that's on them. Uh, clearly, I feel like that then they don't want what's best for me. And I think that's why you hear treatment centers and, and other places talk about in early recovery that our recovery, we have to be selfish about. All right. Because if we're not, I'm doomed to a drug addict death. And so for me, I'm going to be selfish on this because when I'm selfish about my recovery, I can show up in every other aspect of my life for that person, for that company, for that whatever. Yeah. Oh, one of my last questions is this podcast is about our state of mind. And Matt, for you personally, like when you choose to put recovery first, what does that do for you as a human, for your state of mind? And what happens if there's days where you know you should put recovery first, but maybe you're like, I want to go to the concert or I don't want to. If you've had that experience, like what does that do for your state of mind? Yeah. So how about this? How about I answer the latter first? Um, Because there's definitely days. Let's be real. Like I'm not a saint. I'm not perfect. Um, I don't, (laughs) I don't, I I don't, I don't walk around. Yeah. I don't walk around here (laughs) acting like I'm some like spiritual gangster who is like the most perfect AA member ever or CA member ever. That's not my story. I am human. And what's so beautiful about this program is, is this book was written with in mind that we are human and we're going to make mistakes. And there's some warnings throughout it. You know, like all we have is this daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Alcohol is a subtle foe for if we let up on a program of action, like we're basically fucked. That's what the book says. Right. And so what's really cool is, is like, they knew that this is like how we were going to be. Um, and so they give us this reminders, right. And they give us some stories in the back of the book that really show and relate that like, Hey, this is going to happen. It's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when you kind of start losing that motivation to keep showing up. What am I going to do? Well, the easy answer for me is sometimes I just sit in my shit for a couple of days, but here's the really cool thing is, is like, I don't like the way I feel when I'm sitting in my shit. And before I had a program or a solution, I never knew what to do other than get high. And so today, whenever I feel myself, you know, slipping as far as the way I'm feeling internally or the way I'm thinking, right. Maybe those negative thoughts start coming back up. I know exactly what I have to do. Whereas before I had a solution, it was like, oh, let's just put a needle in my arm. And today, like, that's not the solution. And so there's sometimes where like, it'll, it'll creep up on me, you know? And it's like, okay, maybe I missed a meeting. Hey, my sponsee bailed on me today, but like, I'm not too upset about it because I really didn't want to work for them anyways, because I want the day off. And maybe that then turns into two weeks. Um, And so as I find myself start slipping, what I've noticed is that my, I don't want to call it serenity, but you know, inner peace, serenity, peace of mind those slowly start slipping as well. And I start becoming a little bit more resentful, right? Now I'm up in the morning and I'm driving to work and I'm cussing traffic out or the person at the Starbucks is taking too long on my damn coffee. You know what I'm saying? Like things that I normally wouldn't get upset about, I start getting frustrated about. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And it's like, oh, I'm not doing the things that I've been doing. 
because again, it's going to happen, but what am I going to do about it? Recovery is super easy when shit's going good. It's when shit's going bad, that, that, that's hard. And do I have the ability to not only be aware of when it's going bad, but the ability to implement the solution or apply the solution that was given to me in order to get me out of that funk. And so sometimes it just takes myself, you know what? I don't care how shitty I'm feeling right now. I don't care how far away this damn meeting is. I'm going to get myself to a meeting. I'm going to call my sponsor. I'm going to check in with my sponsees. I'm going to do all these things that I don't want to do right now in order to come back out of this funk. And again, I like to tie it to the principles and I, I do work both programs, CA and AA. Perseverance happens to be one of the principles behind uh, the 10th step in AA, I believe. And I absolutely love that, right? You start acquiring some time things start getting good. Uh, you start letting up on a program of action and then what happens? Oh, shit starts getting bad again. Well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to persevere through this. I'm going to do all the things that I was taught to do. I'm going to use the spiritual toolkit that was laid at my feet in order to get myself out of this funk. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. You're, we're giving tools, you know, and I think sometimes we dig our heels in Matt. Cause it's like, we know we yeah. have a solution and we know that we need to put it first, but then we're like, but why? Because we're insane. Right. And we like to, yeah. <laughs> we like to, yeah. Well, look, the book calls us undisciplined and it doesn't call us undisciplined in the first chapter. It calls us undisciplined in the 12th step. I'm a drop in the bucket compared to some of these long timers with some serious time. And they'll tell you the same thing that sometimes you just get complacent. That's just part of it. Sometimes you're going to have to go through some of these these ebbs in order to kind of come out the other side. And I was always taught that pain was a touchdown to my spiritual growth. And so like, it's easy to like maintain when I make this, but where my spiritual growth comes from is when I have these low moments in my recovery, right? When shit's all like going uphill and easy, it's easy to maintain my recovery or my peace of mind, right? Cause today it's more about emotional sobriety than anything. But when things are bad, I need that pain sometimes in order to grow spiritually, right? In order to have another spiritual experience, in order to be able to use the perspective that I've been given. And sometimes it's harder, you know, like I've, I've gone through career changes or not career changes, job changes. I've gone through relationships ending and had to have some very difficult conversations. Um, but what was really cool about it was I was able to apply what was given to me through this program to those certain situations to where I didn't have to like blow shit up. And again, like I can, I can pretty much trace everything I do today in one way or another back to this program, this program that I'm passionate about. And to go back to your first question that you originally asked, why do I do this? Or, you know, what do I get out of it? It's, it's purpose for me, single-handedly, it is fucking purpose. I don't know if any of the people listening to this walked around this earth feeling like they were worthless. They had no purpose in life. And that was probably a big reason why they continue to use drink or whatnot. But I can tell you what, I lost my purpose when I was 18 years old. I remember the day I lost my purpose and it took me over 16 years from that point on until I had a moment of clarity where I was like, what am I doing with my life? I asked for help. I began this process and I found my purpose again. And I don't know for anybody who can relate to not having purpose, it is one of the most gut-wrenching, depressing things in life, right? To walk on this planet with no purpose. And I don't ever want to experience that again, ever. And I found this calling within recovery, right? Like I'm super passionate about it because I know how low my, you know, my bottom got. And I have this ability to connect with people who either are just coming in or at the same place I am or are light years ahead of me and share this common experience and connect with people in a way that I was never able to before to hopefully 
make an impact on someone's life, right? Because when I make an impact on their life, it's making an impact on my life. Um, and that gives me that purpose. That gives me that that wholeness in here, right? Like I don't feel empty anymore. And that's the exact reason uh, why I, I continue to go hard in this program because I absolutely love the life that it has given me, you know, it's, it's freedom and it's purpose. And, you know, for any of you guys that have not have lost purpose, I'm telling you like, Oh, I, I found it. And I don't want to give it up for anything. And that's all she wrote, folks. Freedom and purpose, man. Like, dude, Matt, thank you. And I'm going to end this episode by asking you one more question. If you could describe in three, four or five words, what life has been like since you've put sobriety first. And I think you already mentioned two, which were pretty badass. Unimaginable. Unimaginable. Yeah. Oh, that's. That's good. Matt, like you are, you are a gift, dude. You are a gift in this world and to this community. And Matt, would you like to go ahead and if people, because people are probably like, who is this human and how can I find him? Guys, I'll put his mugshot up on the website. I'm just kidding. Um, But um, if people (laughs) want to get a hold of you or find you, what is a way for somebody to get in contact with you, Matt? Yeah, best way to find me is in the rooms. <laughs> in, the- <laughs> in the rooms, all the- <laughs> in the rooms. That's where you can find me. Uh, no, I don't. I don't do social media. I never have, never will. But if you are insisting on getting a hold of me, phone number is nine five four six eight two six one five two. You can also email me at matt at unitysoberliving.org. I'm very plugged into this community. If you need help getting, you know, connected with sponsees, sponsors, home groups, uh, sober livings, treatments, detoxes, whatever it may be, I am more than happy to help. Just, yeah, reach out. Guys, this is Matt. Matt, again, like, thank you so much for your time and for being here and for being exactly who you are in this world. I am so grateful for you. Don't worry, ladies and gents, this will not be the last time Mr. Matt is on Monday State of Mind. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. On that note, you amazing humans, I do want to go ahead and end this episode by reminding you that if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Harmony Foundation at 866-686-7867. Recovery is a journey and Harmony gives you the map. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week. 